The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we discuss the 1975 college football season. I always felt that college football had kind of a demarcation in the 1975 college football season. What am I talking about? I felt football changed. It was one way before 1975, and it was another way after. Let me explain. In modern times, I mean, maybe starting with Army being so dominant in World War II years, followed by what, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Oklahoma, the SEC teams, Auburn, Mississippi, LSU, and into the 1960s where Alabama took a national championship, you had Michigan State, you had Notre Dame. 1970 was what? It was the last all-white team to win a national championship. Texas, it was a split one. And then you had the beginning of the Nebraska and Oklahoma years. I mean, my gosh, that 1971 game, the game of the century between Oklahoma and Nebraska, where Nebraska won 35 to 31. They defeated an Oklahoma team that put up nearly 200, excuse me, nearly 475 yards rushing. That's how incredible this Oklahoma team was. Follow that year with 1972 when the USC Trojans marched out and John McKay said he had never seen a team that could beat him and Woody Hayes agreed. He went simply by the eye test. I've never seen a team that could beat him. I was in high school back in 1972. Well, 1974 saw the continuation of this Oklahoma dynasty. Barry Switzer, when he was hired, would end up not losing a game until his third season in 1975. And I did a podcast recently on that upset we finally lost. So I'll reference it today, but won't go into the detail. But my point is in 1974, Oklahoma won the national championship with 440 yards rushing per game. Incredible, but still less than what they had done in 71. Enter the 1975 season. And I just find this season fascinating because it was the last of the old heavyweights before the beginning of the new heavyweights. Now follow this logic. The 1975 season started with Oklahoma number one as the preseason team. And why not? They had won the national championship the year before. Barry Switzer had yet to lose. Alabama was number two. Michigan and Ohio State with three and four. Southern Cal, who turned out would not have have the year everybody thought they would, was number five. Penn State was six. Nebraska, seven. And on and on. Well, right off the bat, Alabama number two loses to Missouri. So in week one, because that kind of happened in that preseason week, Oklahoma was one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, Southern Cal four. Well, Southern Cal uh, would end up having, like I say, kind of a so-so season so that by the end of the season, they would end up having a couple of losses. But we'll come back to the Pac-12 here in a little bit. As the season marched on, there were not very many major upsets, but there was this one game that kind of stood in the background. Ohio State faced a number 13 UCLA team, 
and this was on September 29th. And Ohio State won handily 41-20 over UCLA. Well, as the season proceeded, and I'm not going to go through in detail every single week, the final week of the season, once the games were played, getting ready for the bowl games looked like this. Ohio State was one. They were undefeated. Texas A&M was two. They were undefeated. Oklahoma was three. They were 10 and one. Why? Well, they were 10 and one because back on November 3rd, they lost to a Kansas team inexplicably 23 to three. I did a podcast on this called This Upset Literally Unimaginable. Oklahoma not lost in three seasons. Barry Switch had never lost. They had this rushing offense that was putting up 440 yards per game just rushing. And boom, eight turnovers. They lose 23 to three. So Oklahoma was number three. They were 10 and one. Alabama was four at nine and one. Texas five at nine and one. And Arizona State languished back at number eight at 10 and 0. So in comes the bowl season. Get ready for this. Ohio State faces UCLA in a recent match. By now, UCLA is ranked number 11. And UCLA was down three to nothing at halftime before storming back to defeat Ohio State 23 to 10. So number one's gone. Number two is Texas A&M, who were undefeated. They went to the Liberty Bowl and faced that USC team, and they lost 20 to nothing. Up comes Oklahoma. They play in the Orange Bowl at number five Michigan team and defeat them 14 to six. So as a result, they win the national championship with a record of 11-1. The only loss, the only close game, was that unbelievable upset to Kansas, 23 to three. Number two was Arizona State, 12-0. They were the only undefeated team, followed by Alabama, Ohio State, <clears throat> and so on. The actual season led way to what? To what? To Heisman balloting and all the accolades that followed. And I found the Heisman class utterly fascinating. Archie Griffin won his second straight Heisman trophy. The only player to ever win two Heisman trophy. Yet he was number 10 in yards per carry that year at 5.5. And number seven in terms of yards per game. But why not? He led an undefeated Ohio State team that was utterly dominant into the Rose Bowl. And they led three to nothing at halftime. I mean, this was an incredible team that he led. Number two was Chuck Muncie. <clears throat> Every time I post something about Chuck Muncie on Twitter, Twitter goes ballistic because everybody loves Chuck Muncie. I love Chuck Muncie. Chuck Muncie was number four in the nation in yards per carry. 6.4 yards per game. And number four in yards, or 6.4 yards per carry, excuse me, in yards per game. He was also number four with 137 yards per game. Number three was Ricky Bell, an unheralded running back from USC, who led the nation in rushing, 171 yards per game. Ricky Bell was followed by Tony Dorsett, who would go on to win the Heisman the next year in 1976. Tony Dorsett was number two in yards per carry. 6.8 yards per carry, number three in yards per game. Well, on the list is also Leroy Selman, Gene Schwick. I mean, this is an incredible Heisman class of Archie Griffin, Chuck Muncie, Ricky Bell, Tony Dorsett, Joe Washington, Leroy Selman, Gene Swick. And I'm leaving off the list, heralded wonderful players, Jimmy Du Bois, John Scarra, and Gordon Bell. Well, I feel like after 1975, the powers of college football the top of the class shifted because in 1976, Pittsburgh ran the table. Now they were the heavyweights. They had not been the heavyweights since 1918. 
1980, Georgia won the national championship with Herschel Walker. 1984, BYU. Late 1980s, Miami Hurricanes. And then finally, moving on into the 1990s, Florida University and Florida State grabbed national championships. The 1975 season, to me, marked a demarcation in the history of college football. Thank you for listening to the history of college football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.